heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, the world was already at a very weary moment uh, from two years of assault uh, from the bioweapon on people's liberties from COVID, right? And then the change in America from a patriotic America first movement to a globalist social justice agenda. And I think what's happened, my fellow Americans, is this has provided the perfect opportunity for a strong man such as Vladimir Putin to seize the moment. He is a student of history. He watches what happens and he's typically a couple of moves ahead of folks. Now, just recently to bring you right up to speed here, and this makes us even more precarious, uh, is Russia's, uh, you see they had some nuclear forces, some exercises just uh, this past weekend. Again, this is what I mean by the chess moves with Vladimir Putin. And he this was by his orders. I mean, he's the one that called this. And this happened on the weekend. And this was really a show of force to the world. And they made it very clear what their message was when they did that. They, they would check and they say both their conventional and their nuclear weapons and so on and so forth. And, and here was the grave warning to the world that Vladimir Putin put out. He said to the international community, He warned them of consequences, grave consequences, greater than you have ever faced in history over any attempted interference as he declared the start of an invasion into Ukraine. All that was simultaneously happening as he was talking out of the other side, saying that everything was being overstated and overblown. Now, the world knew what he was doing. The the West knew what he was up to. And they also could tell by the forces and all that he was surrounding in Belarus and to the south in Crimea and the north in Belarus. And of course, the west is over there where people are trying to get the hell out of Dodge right now. And uh, and that's the setup right now that we have in Ukraine, Russia, in this really historical moment here. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins me right now. He is the president of the London Center for Policy Research and a CIA-trained intelligence operations officer, 35 years of experience in global and national security. Here's the thing, Tony. We always reference history as the best barometer for future events. Right. Uh, what I'm wondering here, and you know, I love to start these things at 50,000 feet with you, but you know, we can sit and build up as to how we got here. But let's. What might we, the U.S. and the West, what might we have done differently to have prevented, and I've been thinking about this all morning here, to prevent right. this historical moment of time with Vladimir Putin, and you and I have touched on these things before, to, to be certain, but what might we have done differently to have a different outcome at this moment? Was this preventable? So thanks for letting me join you, and yeah, of course. Uh, look, the uh, the uh, the path of history has many uh, side roads you could take, and uh, some of the side roads which, which weren't taken, which I think could have been used to to prevent this, go back to the original Russian incursion into Georgia. Everybody thought, oh, it's just no big deal. It's just the Russians being Russians. Uh, you know, let's not worry about it. And so the world ignored that. 
then we move on to Crimea. Oh, everybody was surprised by Crimea. Uh, and nobody does anything. The Minsk Accords, phew, the Minsk Accords were never going to be followed by either side. Uh, and um, when you have, uh, Malcolm, dismissive leaders like Obama, who literally observed all of this, uh, was warned by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford. His own chairman said during uh, uh, his uh, uh, first uh, confirmation hearings in 2016, when asked what was the largest, what, what is the greatest threat to global stability? And he said Russia. And everybody thought he was crazy. Uh, these things, Obama helped make this worse uh, by the fact he dismissed Putin by calling him, quote unquote, a, you know, basically calling Russia a regional power. And so this latest round is simply uh, the continuation of essentially a global bully who has stated what he's going to do, pretty much how he's going to do it. Uh, the time frame is flexible, but is actually dependent on circumstance. And he's seen advantage to the current circumstance. And Malcolm, you've got the same, literally the same high school debating team back in charge of national security as you did under, under Obama. And so Putin read the room. He read it correctly. And uh, so, the, yeah, the, the thing is, any number of things could have been done to start trying to stop Putin from doing what he's doing. And you might want to ask me, you might, might, maybe this is going to be one of your questions, why didn't Putin do this under Trump? Mm -hmm. uh, well, two reasons. First, Trump uh, was not a member of the big global club that seems to, to think in a collective form, a, a, a global collective mind on how to respond to things like this. And therefore he was unpredictable. Uh, the global community today responding to this is pretty lethargic. And I don't think they're gonna do anything to actually intimidate Putin. Uh, Malcolm, I, 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 uh, everything I've seen indicated to me that Putin was intimidated by President Trump. Secondly, the biggest factor to the successful defanging of Putin during Trump's four years was by something he did domestically, believe it or not, much like what Reagan did to offset the Russians back during the Cold War to, to get to, to basically get them to pay attention. Uh, Donald Trump dropped energy prices by increasing production, making us a net exporter and greatest exporter on the greatest uh, producer of oil on the planet. Malcolm, that dropped prices. That took away the largest single source of Putin's revenue and income so that he did not have the capability to do what he's doing, to amass wealth for purposes of aggression. So uh, the, moment, the moment Biden reintroduced uh, uh, the open field to Putin, he took, he took all the restrictions off, opened up uh, the, uh, the spigots for the pipelines, basically, there's a Nord Stream. By the way, everybody's forgotten there's a Nord Stream 1. Nord Stream 1 is still producing and moving fuel, uh, oil just fine. Mm -hmm. Nord Stream 2 became the focus. The moment Putin telegraphed by saying, hey, you, Nord Stream 2, you can do that. The moment Biden started raising gas prices by his draconian uh, controls uh, uh, and reducing our ability to be a net uh, uh, exporter and energy independent, the moment Biden did that, Malcolm, he sealed the deal for Putin. Putin recognized the weakness, he recognized the opportunity, and he acted. Yeah. So there's been any number of opportunities to either uh, persuade Putin otherwise, 
or pre prevent him from having resources available to do what he's doing. Every step of the way, uh, the Obama and Biden uh, White House made the wrong decisions. Well, Colonel, you, you bring up Trump, you say, and it seems the West, including Germany, and you talk about the Nord pipelines, yeah. we are we are clearly playing right into Putin's hands. We of surely, And historically, we surely have not learned historically a damn thing. Uh, the West I'm speaking about in the U.S., uh, and Putin is a student of the game itself, without a doubt. You know, the thing about Trump you bring up is very clear. Everybody needs to understand that Trump was an unconventional player. That's the word, unconventional. And Putin is there. He's looking historically at all these people and they do conventional moves, including Biden is a very conventional politician at best. Yep. Uh, and this is easy to calculate. Uh, and he is a guy like Putin, who, again, he's a patriot. He's a Russian patriot. He was insulted. And let's go one step further, Tony, and I don't want to hop on this, but I believe we caused this. We robbed the, Russia's face and nose uh, since uh, the wall came down and since, uh, you know, uh, Gorbachev and Reagan and Thatcher changed history. We robbed their face in it with how right. great we were and Russia sucked and all of this. And we ran that up the pipeline so long and so hard and so fast. And we missed opportunities. You know, I told listeners the other day, and I don't know what you think about this, but I'll throw this right at you. And I, you might cut my head off, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you right now what I think. And, uh, and I told listeners this the other day. I think we missed an opportunity with Vladimir Putin. I've said this repeatedly. Oh, we did. No, I'm with you. him into the West, but, but we, we should have damn well made him a member of NATO. So to that point, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was making notes for another interview I did earlier today. We should have been focused on engaging with Russia, not antagonizing. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a large number of opportunities to focus. And by the way, Malcolm, uh, one of the things I advise President Trump and his team to do is reinvent NATO. Basically, take NATO. Amen. De basically, de-wolkify. I don't know if you know this. Basically, one of the problems with NATO today, another reason that Putin knows it can't do anything, is it's all woke. They're more focused on inclusion and uh, everybody having different languages and everybody's individuals. They're not worried about... Well, it's like our own damn military. We've yeah. done the same thing. Right. So Putin knows that it's a sham, but there was an opportunity. I actually went to England right after Brexit on this twice, uh, engaged via Warwick University, saying that, look, because uh, my issue was collective security. I was invited over to speak on that. And I said, look, uh, with the British leading the EU, let's look at NATO. Let's look at re reinvigorating NATO, engaging with Russia on the issues that we all recognize are are of concern: uh, energy, uh, cyber, uh, law. You know, fr free access to the sea. There, there was a, a number of things which we should have been able to focus on and say, let's not antagonize each other. Let's see how we can work together. And boy, that was radical. The Trump team, Trump wanted to do that. And guess who didn't want to do that? Our own State Department and everybody else who was in the infrastructure. Of course. So. It, it, all right, a couple things here. It, this yeah. whole setup right now, I yeah. mean, when you think about one man and Vladimir Putin himself, if, if he's, I mean, this everything that's happening, I want everybody to understand, is this all about one man? I mean, is this Putin or does he have the support of his circle and those around him? I don't. Well, he's got the support of the oligarchs. Look, uh, let's not be put a, a too fine a face on this. There are a bunch of, of of very intelligent crooks who were able to enrich themselves by the fall of the Soviet Union. I, I'm not going to put a pretty face on that. With that said, right. uh, he once said uh, when asked uh, what he thought the greatest tragedy tragedy of the, of the 21st 20th century was, he said the fall of the Soviet Union. So his heart is is really as a national. He's a he Russian really, patriot. 
He's a Russian patriot. So his objective, because I got another, this is from another interview I did the other day. Someone asked, well, what do you think his legacy is? He, he wants his legacy to be. He says, right. his legacy, he, he wants to have, uh, to be seen as the guy who reestablished this, the Russian empire. That's what he wants. That's what he's working towards. And he's got a, he's got the time and plan to do it. So this is not, you know, Putin, don't, don't get me wrong. Putin is enriching himself. One of the indicators that we all recognized that when he moved his ship graceful out of uh, Bremen, uh, which was being worked on in, Germ in Germany, you know, before the work was done, we knew when he moved his personal yacht, this huge thing out of port, uh, we knew they were going to invade because, you know, you don't want your big old yacht seized in Germany. Right. But, but I'm just saying, you know, ultimately, even though he is enriching himself, the oligarchs are rich, they really do want to reestablish the old, the prestige of the Soviet Union, uh, except basically using uh, Western style capitalism as an underlying uh, uh, premise instead of uh, collectivism right. under the under the old right. Soviet system. Is there any danger, in your opinion, uh, for, for Vladimir Putin himself? I'm talking within again, uh, specifically, I, I heard some rumblings a couple of times. I don't know what the threat of this is. Uh, would there be a potential coup? Could something else happen in Russia? Any potential danger with Vladimir Putin there in his circle of influence and with the Russian people? Look, there's always within those political systems radicalized individuals. And I don't mean like radicalized like uh, terrorists. I'm just talking about factions which could take action. Mm -hmm. um, their system is different than our system. Uh, you know, we saw assassinations in the 1960s uh, that became a, an issue. Um, the, the, the Russians have been, have always played a game of assassination. Putin is a bully. Putin himself, uh, Malcolm is engaged in assassination. He has, he has personally murdered a female reporter in an elevator in Moscow that he didn't like. So their politics and, and the outcome of intrigues can indeed be fatal. So will, would there be someone strong enough to get to Putin? Uh, I don't know. I think it's possible, but not likely. But don't, uh, you know, he has assassinated his personal enemies mm -hmm. all across the world, a couple in, in England, a couple in other regions. So never put it past right. them. Right. Yeah, look at what happened with, uh, you know, a lot of the whenever a Soviet leader died, you had uh, the purge of his deputies. Like uh, there's a great movie mm -hmm. I highly recommend called The Death of Stalin, which kind of gives you a flavor of what happens in, in Russian politics. It's, a, it's so. a tough environment, for sure. Yes. Uh, now, the, the end goal for Ukraine, uh, at this point, as we see the troop movement and everything that's taken place, safe to say uh, yes. that they want Zelensky out of there. They want, they want yes. a new regi regime change in Kiev, right? Right. So uh, what I see happening here is you're going to see Putin uh, consolidate his gains in, the, in uh, Donbass in that region. I think he's going to maybe go so far is to use naval infantry and ships mm -hmm. to establish a land bridge uh, in the Ukraine territory, all the way to link up with uh, with uh, with um, uh, what do you call it, Crimea, so that you'll have that kind of a space. And then I think he may go as far regarding actual occupation to the the the, the, the Dnieper River, kind of halfway down the country. Dnieper roughly sp splits Ukraine into east and west. So I think the eastern part is what Putin will do. I think he suffered far too much damage, real damage, by trying to take and hold terrain in the uh, western part of, of Ukraine. And I think what he doesn't take, he's going to try to work to wither away by cutting off resources and uh, 
uh, food and things like that. Uh, do I, and I don't think it's going to occupy Kiev uh, or any other major city in the east. I think that would be far too costly in man and resources while he can just wait them out. Uh, that's the way I see this kind of playing out at this point. So interesting. So not occupying the cities themselves and no. the, the eastern part of it. So you get in and then what, get out? Well, no, I think he's going to consolidate in the east. I think he's going to occupy the east. He already is. What I'm saying is he's going to split the country kind of down the middle. I get that. But then what about those cities in the east? He's going to have those. No, I I don't think he wants them. Look, uh, anybody who studied Stalingrad (laughs) will understand what happens in urban environments. I, I don't believe this is where I think he would get in trouble with the Russian people. If he gets into a protracted uh, slugfest in the inner cities of Ukraine, I don't think they, the, the, the Russian public has a stomach for that. I think that's where they would turn on him. Okay. At this point, if he could get this done in 30 days, right. he's going to be fine. Right. And, and, and I think he's got far more to gain by these quick advances and, and uh, solidifying what he's got rather than going into a long protracted six month war. With, okay. With does Ukraine. he stop there now or? How, oh yeah. No, he does. Talk, no. Talk, I mean, throughout, talk about the balance of power in Europe. Do we see any so, changes there? Yeah. So he's he's going to stop. I, I, he's going to basically say, I've done what I need to do. You'll probably see some formal announcement at some point saying he secured the resources and, and territory he, he feels he needs to prevent the continued degradation of Ukraine, whatever he wants to say. Uh, uh, and so within six months, uh, Malcolm, you'll see Germany coming around because what's not been talked about, Germany is actually the the distribution center for all the Russian energy. So yep, yep. Uh, they get they get a big percentage of the money out of this because yep. like when it goes to Germany, it goes everywhere else. So yep. the Germans are going to come around and give in really quick. And that's another reason. So speaking of Europe, he's doing what he can to essentially uh, disestablish the old NATO uh, allied system as well as the EU. He has no love for the EU. Right. One right. of the but, things he's trying to, yeah. And, and by the way, just let me state this because this is something said today. The EU president said today mm-hmm. that she is out to, to, to basically pr- to, uh, let me make sure I use her word. Exactly. Exactly. She said she feels it's EU's job to quote unquote, maintain the, in, the international order. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Now, Malcolm, uh, I'm convinced that Putin is out to destroy that international order. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, just saying. Uh, I don't think, you know, I'm not pro-Putin. I'm just saying this international order is all woke. It's all built on build back better. So uh, while I don't agree with Putin's methodology, uh, let me let me say the obvious. They're not buying into this build back better nonsense that right, the, right. the World Economic Forum is putting forth. Right. Well, you're talking about a globalist movement there. And right. I'm, I'm on the same page as you are. I would agree with what you say there. However, we get that done. Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting, you know, no one's probably going to talk about what you just said. I, 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 I probably shouldn't say this, but but it it well, it doesn't sound right, but there could be a silver lining in all of this. That doesn't sound right, does it? But anyway, well, no, look, I'll, I'll be blunt. Uh, I have no problem with Putin uh, going out and trying to essentially disestablish mm-hmm. those mechanisms, which would, I think, enslave the world and, and disestablish uh, the idea of individualism as well as, as yeah. autonomy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm for that. With that said, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of his techniques. I, I'm not, I'm not no, uh, for no, no. Invas- invading neighbors. With that said, the end result may force uh, 
the world, the, the, the world Economic Forum and all of these right. globalists right. to rethink what they're who, doing. Who have so. been on the move over the last right. couple of years through this COVID exercise right. we've been uh, on here, uh, the trip they've been on. Before I, I got to get on to something really important I want to ask you about. Before I do, let me just circle back one thing here. When but, we talk about Putin's legacy and we talk about, Tony, his um, uh, getting back to the glory days of the Soviet Union specifically, uh, then when I ask you the question, well, does he stop there and then the power in Europe and you see where I was sort of going. So you don't really think that he's looking for the glory days of the Soviet Union. He well, no, I stopping for now. Let me be clear. Oh, all right. That's what I want to hear. Gonna, That's what I'm looking. He's going to stop within the, you know, the, the current. Let me let me first this and be very clear. So I, I do have clear thinking. on this. Look, uh, he's not going to go into this invasion of Ukraine and let it draw out to the summer. He's not. Uh, no indication from what I've seen regarding the order of battle, and I have some pretty good analysts backing me up on this. There's no indications that he's put resources right. forward that would be uh, mm-hmm. essentially uh, available to him to essentially take large tank armies, move them across the plains, and occupy cities. It's just not there. Uh, will he occupy a few cities and make a point? Yeah, those are called shaping operations, and he's doing that right now. But within 30 days, you're going to see him announce the end of, of military oper- his special operations. He'll announce it probably by this time next month. We'll be talking about what's next. What's next, Malcolm, is right, right. his continuation, uh, like an anaconda, squeezing Europe, mm. uh, trying to reestablish the old footprint of the Soviet Union. They want, they feel they need to have countries. Because of their own paranoia, this goes back to Alexander III, as mm-hmm. our Alexander III. Uh, and I'm not dismissing it, but I'm just telling, you know, this is what the Obama folks don't seem to understand. It's like he's paranoid. He's going to want buffer states around him. He's already got right. the stands, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all those kind of back in line. He wants to have the same thing in, in, the, okay. uh, in, the, right. in the Balkans. Thanks in for clarifying Balkans. that. So yeah. you think he is going to go for that golden uh, buzzer there, of course. basically. Okay. Yeah, but he's, but he's going to be like he's been doing. This is a, this is a 30-year okay. plan. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, all right, so let me ask you this now. Uh, sure. this, this is a tough question, but uh, I think this is an important one. Yeah. Uh, with all that said, and you look at the West or you look at the United States, Tony, and you see what can we, can we not do? And, of course, all these sanctions and strangling them economically, how much of that is a factor? That's an arguable point. Uh, when your ambitions are as high as they are, which you've just stated, uh, he doesn't care what the Russian people suffer through or what other people suffer through. His ambitions are really what they are. So with all that, uh, Tony, uh, uh, what would it what would it take? Uh, and I think the real danger in all this for somebody like this with the threat he does with the exercise on the weekend of, of his nuclear arsenal, uh, you know, back to being an injured animal. If this guy is uh, at the point, I mean, you almost what I'm wondering is, I mean, this path to victory. I mean, it's a clear path to victory for him, I'm assuming. Who's going to step right. in his way? I mean, certainly Xi Jinping ain't well, going to. Joe sure. Biden ain't going to. And who the hell else? Well, no, going? Xi is his back door. Exactly. Back Ger- yeah. And I want to talk to him about that in a moment. But yeah. Germany ain't going to. So no. uh, the point is, he's got a clear path. And if anybody did step in his way, what is the real threat, sincerely, of a Vladimir Putin and, a, and, a, and unleashing a nuclear weapon? So, yeah, look, uh, he's crazy enough to do it. But he. But look, remember, uh-huh. so far, the and this goes back to Kissinger, and I'm not a fan of Kissinger. I know the man. I've been in events with him. You know, my, uh, my friend and mentor, Herb London, the center is named after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they work together closely. 
Uh, going back to uh, the one thing that, that I think Kissinger got right was the concept of mutual assured dis destruction. That's right. And that's, and that's one of the reasons that uh, during uh, the Trump administration, Trump pulled us out of some agreements that the Russians were breaking. For example, the INF Treaty, the Intermediate uh, Nuclear Force Treaty. By the way, when, as, a, as a lieutenant, I oversaw, I, I monitored Russian intelligence officers watching the destruction of our uh, Pershing II boosters. So this was a, a, something I was intimately involved with when it happened. Mm -hmm. The Russians long ago walked away from that treaty. They, they created a whole new uh, uh, set of intermediate range nuclear missiles for purposes of troubling their neighbors. Imagine that. Right. So, right, right. But, uh, so I tend to believe that while Putin is you know, kind of showing this resolve, I don't think he'll ever have the courage to use it against another nuclear power. He's a bully, ultimately. Right, right. So, but if we get him, if we get, but here's my point, I agree with what yeah. you just say, but if we get someone like that, you said he's a crazy man, but a bit, okay, if we get him backed up against a wall, and you're talking about pride, you're talking about power, you talk about sure. bully, strong man opportunity, some of these sure. people are are a little bit loose in the in in, in the connection there. Um, I mean, it, it could happen. I mean, this, this is, a, what I'm saying is this is a serious threat. Yes, yeah, that it is. And, but the thing is, this is where Putin needs to be reminded we have the political will to do something back. This is where we have to have a crazy man be ready to go back the other way. And, and Biden's, Biden is hobbled, not crazy. He's just not capable. And again, Malcolm, this goes back to, to my mm -hmm. comment of, of right. Putin accurately reading the room. Let me be very clear for your audience. There is zero political will. Uh, in the Biden White House to do anything that's right. to push back in and any Putin military And damn way. well knows it. He damn yeah, well Putin, knows it. And that's why Putin's going to run as fast as he can right, right. with as much leeway as possible wow, wow. until someone comes All in. All right, yeah, last absolutely. big point I got to make sure. with you. Well, you know, I always love having you on and talking to you, man. Back in, but let me just, I got to get this in here. Sure. All right, so <laughs> talk about the balance of power there. How about the balance of power in the world? So I see reports just today here, yesterday, same thing today, uh, Taiwan, Taiwan, China. Uh, we hear reports of uh, deals that were made when Xi Jinping and uh, Vladimir Putin had coffee at the Olympics or whatever the hell they drank, okay? And now we see again, Taiwan is warning Chinese aircrafts just today. Uh, they're buzzing in through the air defense zone and, you know, but playing around with them, which they've been doing pretty steadily now. And there was right. a whole host of that happened just today as Ukraine has happened. And there were actually reports that he made, you know, China could try to do something there. Uh, what does that look like? And what kind of a, what kind of a deal do you think uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, these kind of, uh, are they blood brothers now? What's going on with these cats? No, no, no. It's a, it's a marriage of convenience. By the way, this is interesting you should mention. We probably have a, another discussion. The Han see themselves as a superior people. Much of what the Chinese are doing right now is based on racist hate. Uh, boy, imagine that. There's been a history of this in the past where they believe the Han are the superior people. They're the chosen people. That's why they're engaging in genocide against uh, the Uyghurs and things like that. And ultimately, they think the Chinese people should rule the world. World. That's it. It's like another megalomaniac concept. And, and they're more nationalistic at this point than communist. And both the Chinese and Russians are nationalistic, coming at it from a different way. So at this point, Malcolm, yes, of course, they, they see benefit to work together to knock us down. That's what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And so all of the uh, economic uh, uh, damage we've been trying to do, China's going to help Putin with that. All this, oh, we're not going to let him have access to Western debt markets. Mm -hmm. eh, he doesn't care. 
we've told them what we were going to do. They've planned around it. But yesterday, Malcolm, the, the yeah. Russian ambassador actually said, acknowledged this. Like, yeah, we've been under sanctions for so long. We've had to figure out a way to work around it. Yeah. He said this. So yeah. Putin has been working with Xi to make sure that he can do that. And yeah. so, and of course, if you start actually sanctioning his oil, which I don't think a lot of people are going to really want to do because they need it. It's winter in, in Europe. Uh, guess who needs a lot of energy? China. China needs huge amounts of energy to continue to drive its economy. So all we're doing uh, regarding sanctions and these other things are driving Putin to, to Xi, and they're going to figure out a way to benefit yeah. and continue to diminish us. And I've said this publicly. Joe Biden at every step is, is basically advantaged Putin and Xi. All of his actions are going to result in our higher gas prices because, mark my words, in the State of the Union, he's going to say, oh, we have to sacrifice. We're trying to support democracy. And uh, I got to be I'm going to maintain my policies uh, of trying to help the American people. Helping the American people, in Biden's view, is trying to get us off fossil fuel. He will continue to strangle the energy market for purposes of trying to destroy it. And so the more he destroys the energy market and raises prices, the more the American people suffer and Putin gets advantage. Yeah, it's a no-win. It's a, Tony, it's a no-win operation. Yeah, I know. Right now, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, one of the most egregious points of this whole exercise, it, to me, and really truth be told, Tony, pisses me off is Germany. Uh, it really is irritating uh, the way they played right into Russia's hands yeah. and continue to do so and how they really are now going to pay a price for that. In fact, I think it's a joke just earlier, by the way, uh, for listeners to know, and Tony, you see it as well. Uh, so uh, President Biden comes out and he says he's going to send more troops to Germany. Uh, for what the hell is that going to do? It's a window dressing Nothing. for what? I mean, uh, who yeah. needs more troops in Germany? And we're going to have more sanctions against Russia. And, you know, you hit it head on. And I, and I had to believe what you said is I've been thinking about that as well. You surely know they have planned for all of these sanctions, Tony. They've totally plan, planned for all of it. Russia has. You're exactly right. Uh, and they're willing to suffer and pay those consequences. So it's not going to get them to the altar. So who are we really kidding at the end of the day, Tony? Who, right? Who? Uh, well, ourselves. Look, Biden is now using this like any number of progressives to gain advantage politically. Mm -hmm. He's going to blame Putin for all the woes we have here now. And this is where I'm really encouraging people to wake up and smell the coffee here. You're talking what about the economy, have, the energy, yes, the gas prices. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, and so he's going to say it's worse because of Putin. No, it's worse because he opened the door to Putin. Mm -hmm. And now he's trying to basically uh, it's like this uh, Munchausen by proxy. He gets the patient, patient sick and then he wants to heal the patient. That's what he's done here. He's created conditions for the energy prices to spike. He opened the door for Putin to, to, to get to gain advantage by that. Yeah. And now after it all happens, he's going to blame Putin while the blame is really Joe Biden. It's all Biden's well, fault. Well, that's what Washington does so well, what you say there, Tony. And that's that's as a playbook anyways. Yeah. Uh, it's deflect from the truth. Uh, but I think the American people at this point, probably because his ratings are so darn low, because he's already a wounded animal, speaking about Biden himself, I think yeah. it's going to be hard to convince people of what you suggested. But I hear what you say. I, I agree with you. But I, I, I think people are on to his game, don't you think? I mean, at this point. 
Well, no, we are. And his, exactly. and his, uh, his, exactly. his, his basic uh, yeah. approval polls show that. But again, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't change the fact. Look, Malcolm, if you watch Jane Sackey any given day, yeah. she lives in an alternate universe. Yeah. Uh, it is. And so I think it's 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 well, they it's, all it's live in an alternate universe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what brand of cornflakes they're on, but I can't make heads <laughs> or tails out of it, Tony. Sincerely. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. people are about as whacked out as I could be. Uh, I mean, we are a divided country uh, more than I've ever seen. I just did a show yesterday on that with listeners. Uh, Tony, stay close, will you please? Sure. <laughs> so stay close. Uh, we'll be talking in the days ahead here. Uh, it is always a privilege, my privilege, to have you on here, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Thank you, brother. Now, thank you. And to have uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer on here for all the reasons you just hear, uh, because you you get a sense of, uh, of, of truthfulness. I mean, you're getting commentary that you're not going to hear just anywhere else. And, uh, you know, some of this, I mean, it's, it's difficult to have those kinds of questions or what if scenarios when I suggest nuclear weapons, or that sort of thing, uh, and a strong man like uh, Vladimir Putin and where he's at. Uh, but, you know, this is a lot of our own making. Uh, and I, I, I say, uh, you know, not in the most affectionate way, but the way we have dealt with it here with our political class and the way the West has dealt with it, as I said moments ago to the colonel about Germany, uh, is classic to this problem right here that we're having. We've played right into the hands of Vladimir Putin. You know, the world is at a, we're at a very, very uh, tender uh, moment. Uh, historically, it, 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 uh, it leaves me with great concern, especially when we talk about China. We talk about the bioweapons coming out of there. We talk about Taiwan and what they've already done with Hong Kong and the South China Seas. And we see what's going on and we see Iran now and uh, with the JCPOA, uh, they're trying to reinvent with Biden and succumbing to, to those folks and what might happen there with Israel and all of that. Uh, uh, you know, you've got all that possibilities there. Uh, so we, we've got a picture here that we painted that is very, very hostile, and it's uh, it's a it's it's a difficult uh, state of affairs, really, that we we've got to contend with. So, all right, I've got a couple of other folks coming up. We're going to talk to in just moments here as we we continue to bring this forward and uh, and you know talk about Russia's assault on not just Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, uh, but the world at large, because you're everyone's going to pay for this one. If you think this doesn't matter, yeah, I got news for you. You're going to pay for this year. You're going to pay somewhere in your economically, uh, energy wise, you're going to pay with inflation is you think it's high now. Just stay tuned and see what's going to happen now with these world events happening here. Everyone needs to pay close attention. And we also need to be very conscious of who we are elected into office. Uh, we're in a we're in an election year midterm, and uh, we're going to pay very close attention to that. Let's take a quick pause. We'll join you just on the other side. You're listening to the Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, the Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. It's time to rethink COVID disinfection. A study by Harvard, Drexel, and Virginia Tech concluded. We don't have a single documented case of COVID transmission through surfaces. The reality is that COVID spreads mainly through the air. Shared air is the problem, not shared surfaces. The solution is the Genesis Fogger, which uses natural HOCL to disinfect both air and surfaces simultaneously. 
It's perfect for home or business. NIH says HOCL may well be the disinfectant of choice for coronaviruses. There's nothing more natural or more effective. Genesis fogs at the precise particle size to combat COVID and other harmful pathogens. It's what's missing from your disinfecting protocol. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko knows a thing or two about the immune system. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize for his early COVID-19 treatments, and now he's offering his Z-Stack supplements to our listeners at a discount. Just go to zstacklife.com slash freedom. That's zstacklife.com slash freedom. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com, where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. We join you back on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, and yours truly. Uh, thank you for being with us on the mission, the big mission today, uh, talking about global instability and what's taking place uh, in the Russia and Ukraine. And the world is a different place today. I mean, things happen halfway around the world. It's going to impact you and your neighborhood. And that's kind of what we're talking about right now. Uh, you know, everybody sh- probably uh, is with me. Uh, you probably have butterflies today or uh, feel a little off kilter, maybe be the way I would say it. Uh, And that's a real possibility. Uh, And it's because these events have real world uh, repercussions uh, against all of us. Uh, And it's a delicate balance of these things. I mean, listen, we don't want to live in a world where missiles are flying over our heads or where there's potential nuclear attacks happening and alarms are going off or silos or whether it's that or conventional war or you know, these kinds of things. I mean, we've been spoiled here in, in our country. We've been totally spoiled in our history. And, you know, as I shared with you just yesterday, we're coming up on a really important history, uh, historical moment for our country, 250 years, you know, we're 245 years into this experiment. And uh, we're being tested right now. I'm telling you, and people are saying, I see it all the way around. What are we going to look like just ahead six months from now? You know, there are a lot of people saying that our days of a superpower are coming to an end. Now, you can believe that or not believe that. I don't know. But we are surely being tested at this moment of time. And and the bigger problem is we're not playing the cards right. We're we're not playing it the way it needs to happen, people. And that's why you've got people like this that are doing the kinds of things they're doing here. Uh, So let's continue on talking about this assault now uh, on Russia. And um, let me bring on here uh, a moment here. I want to 
talk about, before I get back to Ukraine and what's happening in Europe, and we've got IQ Al-Wazuli beyond in a moment for that, I want to bring on first Ilana Friedman, who's an intelligence analyst and, and part of our team here at America Out Loud as well. And uh, Ilana, specifically, I want to talk to you about, I mentioned to Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer at the end, kind of a one-two sucker punch uh, when it comes to Russia, Ukraine, but then Taiwan and China. We've talked a lot about these events and possibly tying them, uh, how they might tie together. I've seen reports now and some odd things. And by the way, let me be clear with you and clear with listeners. And I've read plenty of reports just this morning on this. And China has come out, the defense ministry in China, and has said, this is a core, in regards to Taiwan now, this is a core issue for China, and it would tolerate no foreign interference. Same sort of a warning, kind of, that that Russia did. And, of course, these are two nuclear uh, uh, superpowers we're talking about, to what degree they are or are not. They certainly are not uh, uh, economically. Uh, surely Russia is not. Um, and they said, listen, Taiwan is not Ukraine. Uh, they suggest back to folks. And um, so the warning was put out there. Uh, I don't want to go too far down this branch here, but what do you, what's your take on uh, China and Taiwan? Uh, does it, that would be enough to really throw the balance of the world uh, quickly off kilter uh, if Xi Jinping did anything radical? Um, you don't think that happens at this time, do you? Well, it's it's very interesting. I I actually think that. Saying that Taiwan is not Ukraine is oversimplifying a rather complicated situation uh, because I think there is an analogy to be made. Uh, Russia looks at Ukraine, Putin particularly looks at Ukraine as something that belongs as part of Russia. China looks at and particularly Xi, Xi Jinping, looks at Taiwan as a piece of real estate that belongs as part of China. So I think there is an analogy to be made. Taiwan is like Ukraine um, in that China is very eager to annex Taiwan as part and make it take it away from being a democrat society, a democratic country, uh, and making it part of the communist country, the the uh, the, the Chinese communist country. Uh, this is something that is happening in Ukraine as, as we speak. And there's been a great deal of discussion among intelligence people about what China is likely to do once the Olympics are over, which they are. Uh, and we kind of predicted this, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And, 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 and now that we see Russia moving into Ukraine, it seems as though it's likely to be time for China to make some move toward uh, taking over Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. it's another situation where it's a massive country taking over a tiny country. Right, right. Uh, right. And it's doable. Yeah. So well, the question the, is, will they try it? And if so, what will happen? Well, that's my question. We don't really know, obviously, but, uh, you know, that, that would really tip the balance of the world in ways that uh, you talk about just the, the global economy, the global environment would deteriorate at such a fast rate. I mean, everywhere we'd be dealing with problems. And 
you know, and you always wonder with these weapons, if they fall into the wrong hands, as I was talking about with uh, Tony, uh, what happens if they get, you know, you get a madman or a strong man or somebody who doesn't give a rat's ass and they just say, okay, let's do it kind of thing. Um, let's talk about, uh, I, w- I want to get IQ Al Rizzuli into the conversation here, uh, a moment here and, uh, IQ and, uh, specifically with Europe. Now you're, you're in Europe. Uh, let's talk about, um, the general sense. What's your feelings or sense IQ about Europeans? Uh, how do they feel about this? Really, really and truly, what kind of a threat because this, a lot of people feel, really believe this throws the balance of power and really unsettles Europe. And we haven't had a, a, a problem like this, uh, really, in, in a long time. I mean, that, where we've got the instability of Europe right now. How do people feel about that in Europe, you think? We have to separate the people from the politicians. The ordinary men and women in Europe at the moment, especially, I'm in England. So I'll speak from the British point of view. The ordinary men and women are bewildered. They're shocked at what's happening. They're not frightened yet because they don't really know what's what's happening. Okay, they know there is an invasion, but it's a few thousand miles away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt them. Well, just like Americans too. Tell me what they tell me what they're tell me specifically. I, I like the way you started that, but what what are they shocked at? What part shocks them? That there is a war in Europe. That's World War One, World War Two. We're having World War Three. No, uh, but, w- w- wait a minute. This is not a World War Three yet. Yeah? That's not know, accurate at all. Okay. Yes, maybe you know that, but you try to explain it to somebody who is on the street. I see. We have politicians who are incompetent, whether they are in America or in Europe. Incompetent. Mm-hmm. Look, I have computers worth one thousand five hundred dollars, and on your talk shows, I predicted months ago, months ago that if the American people remove Donald Trump, they will have a disaster on their hands because Donald Trump is powerful. People are afraid of him. The enemies are afraid of him, afraid of him because if he says he puts a red line, they know they can't cross it. Why? Because he hit them. Well, he's an unconventional player. We talked about that with Lieutenant Colonel okay, Tony Schaefer, top of the program. Okay, he's unconventional. It. He's not conventional. But where Correct. do we go from? Yeah, but we can't change that. Now, we got... Uh, Joe Biden in the White House. A now, this is who's person. here. He had been for forever in, in politics. Right. People don't seem to understand that when they watch Biden on their television, right. the, the Russians are also watching Biden. The Chinese are watching Biden. Oh, yeah. Oh, Everybody yeah. is watching oh, Biden. Yeah. Oh, and what yeah. do they see? A straw person, yeah. a, a weak person, an incompetent person. Right. The, the Russians are taking advantage of him. Well, well, let me go one step further, uh, IQ. People around, you, you bring up a very valid point. Let's remind listeners that people around the world, you're right, everything is seen you know, simultaneously. If you see it here, everybody has seen it around the globe. You're exactly right. And what they're seeing right now is this, uh, IQ. They're seeing that the social justice warriors are now running the, the entire government here in America. They know that the woke are running the program and don't really care about any of this stuff. They just want to legalize drugs and get high all day. And uh, everybody just is to be what you want uh, with your sex and gender and, and doctor. I mean, this is the screw up environment we have right now. And this is exactly what the enemies are watching. And they are, they know now it is the best time for them to act 
There is no better time for China and for Russia and for the Iranians and for anybody who's an enemy of America to act. It is now. Okay. What do you think Putin does? Let's talk about where he, all right. So let's look at the lay of the land right now. I want to bring it back to Vladimir Putin, Ukraine and Russia. We know we got the doofus in the White House here. Let's leave him out of there for now. Okay. Let's deal with what we got here. What do you think? How far does Vladimir, in your opinion, IQ, how far does Vladimir Putin go in regards to Ukraine? And do you believe, as many military experts believe, as Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer just said, he is uh, worried about his legacy. He's building his legacy. He wants to reestablish the glory of a type Soviet Union type uh, empire today with the Russian empire. How far does he go? Well, he's not a stupid man. That I'm telling you, he's not stupid and he knows he cannot go back to the Russian Empire. All he wanted, I repeated this a million times on your show and other show, all he wanted, he said, all I want is a guarantee that Ukraine cannot be part of NATO. That's all he wanted. And on your show, I said exactly the same thing. Give him the guarantee he will not go into Ukraine. Not because I am the one who is deciding. It is because he wanted security. I also said on your show, Belarus and Ukraine are the red line. He will not allow either of them to be part of NATO. Why? Because NATO is a military alliance against Russia. Well, as I said to you and Ilana, just last week, we should have pulled, uh, as I shared with the the Colonel up front, we should have pulled Russia closer to the West we pushed them away. Martin, a lot of we this said is, that on your show many times. You said it. I said it. On the damage. Show, we, a lot of this was you. created by the West. You're, uh, that's exactly it. And yeah. I would have went one step further. You talk about an unconventional policy. Everything today has to be fought unconventionally, not traditional politics, which is why you reference uh, Trump and all of that. OK, but I, I really would have looked at bringing him as part of the NATO uh, sphere of influence. Uh, the closer you bring those kinds of cats closer to uh, a, a better way of thinking, and a, for, uh, you, you know, we would have been in a whole different position today. Just imagine, you know, I, I can't imagine we'd be in this role today had we done a better job of that IQ, you know. But Malcolm, with all due respect, I said to the article, in the year 2000, I repeat, in the year 2000, Putin met with uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton in Europe. Right. And he suggested to him That's right. that Russia should be part of NATO. They laughed at him. In yep. the year 2000, we would have had peace since that time. That, that is an exact statement, and that is correct. I've looked that statement up many times, and, that, and Putin did state that. He wanted to build a bridge uh, with the West right there. And we pushed them off. But not only did we push them off there, but we pushed them off. And let me bring Alana back into this uh, talk here. Uh, I think we're our uh, crazy politicians. uh, You know, we've really made a spectacle out of the Russian relationship. If you want to look and blame anybody uh, out there, I mean, just look at what we've done with Russia, Russia, Russia uh, throughout the Trump years. I mean, and the way we ridiculed them. And also, Alana, there's another point to this. We have rubbed Russia's nose in their face, just like a bad puppy dog, into the fact that, you know, we took down the Soviet Union without there was all of that going on. And the West was uh, uh, grinning on that, sort of rubbing it in their face in a way. And I've seen that over the years as well. 
that I don't think helped the cause out for a patriot like uh, Vladimir Putin. I think that probably had an impact on this as well. You know, I, I think he's overstepped now. I think he's a strong man that is out of control. Uh, and I, I'm concerned with where he goes next. It's hard to have any trust in someone like that. But I, I think this is self in what I'm saying, Ilan, I think this is a self-induced part of this problem, I think, from the idiots we have running the farm up in D.C. Decades ago, there was a, uh, a book called The Ugly American about American diplomatic service and how poorly we executed our diplomatic relations with other countries. This is something that hasn't gone away. We are still the ugly American. We're still doing what we did decades ago uh, by trying to, first of all, impose American thought processes on foreign countries that don't share the, the processes that we use and aren't interested in the things that, that we want for ourselves. And the second part is simply that we don't respect them. We don't show them respect. We don't, in, in fact, we, we do just the opposite. And, and what you're talking about as far as Russia is concerned is absolutely the case. The Democrats who had this Russia, Russia, Russia thing going for, for the entirety of, of Trump's administration and even before, uh, they were, it was essentially using Russia as as a kind of a, a a tool against Trump, which was insulting to Russia. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that that what you're talking about now, what we're seeing is Russia saying, you know what, the hell with them. We're going to do what we're going to do, and and I don't believe that I, that they are necessarily going to stop mm-hmm. at. Eastern Ukraine. Well, that's what Tony was he- saying. The colonel was saying as well. But but, you know, it, it also in hindsight to some of this, Alano, I mean, to be real, I mean, when you, you talk about Belarus and Ukraine and it's like it was gesturing there and Vladimir Putin, I mean, I mean, I don't ever believe for a moment the West was a threat to Mother Russia. I don't I don't believe that ever. Were, what, what, I don't ever see that there would have been an invasion where we would have tried to, I, I don't see that happening in any lifetime. Do you? Well, Russia, it's its not a matter of what we perceive. It's what they perceive. Exactly. That's, a what, what Vlad- That's a great point. Yeah, what Vladimir Putin has said yeah. is that he perceives that just this little incursion yeah. of Ukraine being brought into NATO mm-hmm. is enough of a threat for him right. to be able to justify his going into Ukraine and doing what he did on Wednesday night. No, you're right and- with what you say there. You're right. He, he, he gestures that, but I don't, I don't believe it was a, a, a real threat, but he sees it the way. IQ, you, you, you don't think that there would be, you don't believe for a moment that, I mean, Russia's perceived threat, I get, but they were not really threatened by the West. Uh, do you, do yeah, you see differently? But, sorry to interrupt you, but could you do, did you de- convince the Europeans that Russia is not a threat to them? Look at the other way also. It's a matter of perception. Elana is 100% correct. From Russia's point of view, and I said it on your show, Belarus and Ukraine are the red line. End of conversation. Whether it's something to do with invasion or not invasion is irrelevant. It is his point of view. And he, was, he feels threatened. Otherwise, why have NATO? 
The Soviet Union is collapsed. It's done. Yeah. Why do you have NATO? Yeah. What is the purpose of NATO after the Soviet Union? Yeah, yeah. that's a great Russia. point. Yeah, no, that's it here. Um, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, why have NATO at that point is, is a valid point that IQ makes right there. Uh, you know, strategically looking at this again, I, I've made the point very clear. Uh, these problems here, this is a serious, uh, it's a very serious situation. I mean, I'm 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 deeply deeply concerned for uh, where we're at uh, uh, with these events that have unfolded here. Uh, this is not child's play at this point. Not when you're dealing with weaponry in the might that uh, that a, a a Russia possesses. Uh, they are a, a you can call them at least a military superpower. You understand what I mean by their friends? A military superpower. Just in the case of China. But uh, they can do some damage in any capacity with the nuclear weapons and other aspects of things and uh, other warfare they have. I, at the same time, we've been wounded here and cut down a little bit uh, to the knees here uh, with what's going on with our military. We're sort of at a very vulnerable point again, as I say. You know, I, I'm thinking now I want to tell you here I, what I'm really thinking we need to start talking about in the next uh, days, weeks, months, uh, years ahead here is uh, let's set up a let's set a goal here together uh you know what's going to transpire for the next five years what do we look like at our 250 year anniversary this is something i want to start talking about i want to sort of put a movement together or, or some sort of a uh really put some uh, uh thought into this uh, and understand strategically uh, in other words, we have a maybe a four to five year plan to get back to what we're going to look like uh, at uh, at this day, this this you know 250 years. It's a big deal, friends. Just as it was in 1976 for our 200 years, and I think in those terms, as America, as our nation, uh, because we're we're at this pivotal point where we're either going to step up to the challenges of a new world order, or we're going to fall. We're going to fall um, in. And it's it's a real risk at this point. Um, well, I, I've, I've given you plenty to think about today uh, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, with IQ Al Razuli and Ilana Friedman. Uh, we, we got the marching orders. We know what's going to we'll be on this story uh, and following things very, very closely in the days and weeks ahead here. Uh, thank you again for being with me and being on the mission, my fellow Americans. It's time to get involved and get out.